briefly. I'm gonna I'm gonna compile my message that would probably have taken me about 40 minutes. I'm gonna compile it in about 10 because you need to hear this. You need to hear this message. You need to hear this message, especially in a service like this. You need to hear this message. I'm coming to you this morning out of Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to be very quick, I promise you. Because God's already done so much, there's really nothing I can do to add to it. But here's what I do want to do. I want to make sure when it does happen again, that we know we are a part of it. Do you hear what I'm saying? i got to be quick. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Watch this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name, perform many miracles. And then I will tell them plainly. Everyone say plainly. I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. I want to talk to you just for a few moments on this concept. Never knew you. Lately, as I've been in prayer in the meditation of my heart, I've been thinking through some things personally in my walk with the Lord. And my personal prayer began to change just within the last few weeks as I was meditating on this scripture and this scripture was really on my heart because I am confident of this that hell will be full of many preachers hell will be full of many prophets hell will be full of many pastors come on somebody this isn't popular preaching but y'all need to hear it today Hell will be full of many worship leaders and many musicians. Hell will be full of many nursery workers and children workers. Hell will be full of many greeters. Hell will be full of many people that thought they weren't going. A couple weeks ago as I was meditating on this scripture, I began to think on the concept that, and my prayer really began to change because I would often pray, Lord, I want to know you more. Sounds like a great prayer. Lord, I want to know you more. Lord, I want to know you more. Lord, I want to know you more. Until I realized in the church, we say things like when somebody passes away, we always say those that are concerned about the spiritual growth and health of people, we would say things like, well, did he know the Lord? But here's my question this morning that I capture from Matthew 7. Maybe it's not, did he know the Lord? But did the Lord know him? See, my prayer has been, Lord, I want you to know me. Now my prayer has changed. I woke up this morning, and, and if I'm lying, I'm dying. I was laying in bed, and the first thing that I began to utter to the Lord was, Lord, I want you to know me. I don't just want to know you. I want you to know me. I want you to know me. See, David understood this, a man after God's own heart. In Psalms 139, verses 1 and 2, he says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and have known me. 
You know my sitting down and you know my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. In verse 23, we skip to, and it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is anything wicked, any evil way inside of me. And lead me in the way that is everlasting. The breakdown of Matthew 7, i got to break this down quickly, says this. He says, Lord, Lord, but many will say to me, Lord, 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 Lord. See, can I tell you something? You can be in a place in your life where you reference him as Lord in title, but not in function. You can call him Lord and him not be Lord of your life. You can recognize the kingship of Jesus, but still not be submitted to his authority. The Bible is clear in Matthew 7 that there will be many that reference him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. They will know he sits high and looks low, and they will call him Lord, Lord, but he still will not know them. Why? 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 Luke 6 and 46 says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? I'm standing here today and I'm talking to people that you reference the Lordship of Jesus, but you do not live your life accordingly. There are things that God told you to abstain from. There are ways that God told you to flee from. There are things and sins that God has, has put convicting on your heart and he told you to flee from it, get away from it. Don't touch it. Don't look at it. And, and, and yet while God tells you to not do it, you continue to do it. And he's saying, why do you call me Lord when you don't do the things which I tell you? You can reference him in title and not live according to him in function. See, you got to understand that when they said, Lord, Lord, that repetitive, repetitiveness was an emphasis of knowing. He said, Simon, Simon. The enemy has desired to sift you as we. He knew Simon Peter. He knew who he was. And so when he spoke to him, he spoke to him intently and called him Simon, Simon. Why? Because he was proving the fact that, Simon, I know you. And what he is saying in Matthew 7, when we say, Lord, Lord, he will say that you really do know me. You really do know me. But I don't know you. See, the fact is, it's said twice. And Jesus is saying, there will, people, there will be people that really know me. You really will know him. You really will know the Lord. But he won't know you. Why? Because what he's saying is he's saying this thing is relational. This thing is relational. It is, it, is, it, is, it is not just one part. They say that if you want to have a healthy marriage, it's not 50% on both parts, but it's 100% on both parts. And what Jesus is saying is like you can be in a relationship with him, but it, or he can be in a relationship with you, and you not be in a relationship with him. In other words, he can be there for you, but you're never there for him. Do you hear what I'm teaching this morning? That when he needs something from you, you're like, you're like ah, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to live my way. I'm going to make up my rules. I'm going to take certain exegesis out of the Bible, and I'm just going to take certain scriptures I like. Some of it's Old Testament, and it doesn't apply anymore. Some of it's New Testament. We're under grace. And what you've done is you've made an idol Jesus. You've made your own God. And now all of a sudden when he tells you to do something, you don't do it because you recognize him as Lord in title but not in function. I'm trying to save people that are sitting in church and heading to hell. 
That's what this message is for. It's for those that get in the presence of God like we were just in. And you know him, but he doesn't know you. What did he say? What did he say? It will only be those who does the will of my father. Well, then that arises the question, then what is the father's will? I'll tell you what the father's will is, because we know that through the Bible, it's line upon line and precept upon precept. Watch this. It's not just one scripture taken out of place that we can build theologies and doctrines out of, but it's the idea that it's line upon line, precept upon precept, that what it tells me in one part of the Bible, it will confirm and reaffirm in other parts of the Bible. And so what is the will of God? I'll tell you what the will of God is. In John 6 and 40, it's says, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son, who Jesus, and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. So it's from this concept that we find that the will of God is that those that look to Jesus and believe in him have eternal life. What is the will of God? That people be saved. That's the will of God. Confirm it, Kyle. Okay, absolutely. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Watch. For the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing. Sometimes to determine the will of God, you've got to know what his not will is. Right? Not willing. So not willing that any should perish, but that how many? How many? How many is all? All right. That all should come to repentance. What is it that we find out that God's will is? God don't want anybody to die and go to hell. God doesn't want anybody. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge and repentance of who Jesus is. Verse 22, I got I to share this part. I got to share this part, and then I promise I'm done. Verse 22, Matthew chapter 7 and 22, I got to break this down. It says, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? You ready? If you're taking notes, write this down. Signs are not proof of salvation. I wonder how many people will stand before God on that day of the great white throne judgment and they will try to give an account for everything good that they did in his name. And they will go on and they'll say, did we not? Did we not do many miracles? Did we not cast out devils? Did we not do, did we not raise the dead? Did we not, but watch this, he said, did we not in your name? Did we not in your name? Did we not in your name? See, we live in a very dangerous generation. I said, we live, and this is coming for some of y'all this morning, and it's good. Don't put your shoes on. Take them right off. Let it stand all over your toes because you need to hear this. We live in a very dangerous generation that seems to be doing all they desire to do is seek after a sign. Ah, why is Dominion Church growing? I'll tell you why it's growing. Because there are signs and wonders that are happening here. But let me caution you and careful you this morning that some of you are only showing up to see something. And when you show up to see the sign, you miss the Savior. It's not a talent show. Because signs are not proof of salvation. And we live in a very dangerous hour when people are looking for signs. I've heard of people that have left ministries to go after other ministries just because there were signs. 
I've seen people that can't stay committed to one house because all they want to do is be where the moving of the Spirit is. What if you were the move of the Spirit and it was God's plan for you to stay planted and be the intercessor to usher in the next great awakening? But no, we're too busy chasing signs. Can I tell you, the people that chase signs will be the ones that the Bible tells me in the last days will be deceived. Because there will be those that come, Jesus said, and he will say, they will say, look, he's here, and they'll go. And they'll come and they'll say, look, he's here, and they'll go. He says, but you don't go. What did he say? Don't go looking for a sign. Matter of fact, the Bible tells me that the Antichrist in the last days will perform many here you go, watch this. I, oh, we got to give some eschatology teaching here this morning. The Bible says that in the last days that, that one of the witnesses, the false prophets, would receive a hole in the head. He'll lay dead in the street. And then after three days, he'll rise up and the worlds will come and worship him. Why? Because what they're going to do is they're going to say, how is this? What's a hole in the head? A gunshot wound. I believe that the man will be assassinated. And when he'll lay dead in the streets, the people will run and they will worship him. Why? Because woe unto the generation that seeks after signs. Watch, Matthew 16. I got to teach this stuff. I have to. Matthew 16 and 1 says, Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees saying, came testing him and asked him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and he said to them, When is it evening? And you say it will be fair weather. For when the sky is red, and in the morning it is foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah, and he left them and departed. Watch this, watch this, watch this, church. You got to be careful. When you're a church, that the miraculous flows, flows through. Because when your focus gets on the sign and off of the Savior, the Bible tells me that he will depart. He said, if all you want is the sign, then here, you can have the sign. And I wonder how many churches are running around chasing miracles, but they miss the man of the miracle. Jesus left the building, and all they got is some kind of sign and wonder, and that's all they got. I'm saying, God, we don't want to chase after the signs. But hold on, hold on, hold on, because I want you to understand something. Uh, Religion says give us a sign. But relationship says give me the Savior. I don't want your hand. I want your heart. Notice how everything was done in his name in Matthew 7 and 22. Watch this. Because his name is the power. Did you catch that? His name is the power. The moment we think it's about us and we make it about us and being known, we we lose him knowing us. We live in a day where people follow after signs and Jesus said signs should follow us. You hear me? I'm not preaching that signs are evil. But we live in a day when people follow signs. You let somebody with miraculous anointing on their life show up and churches will empty all over. And they'll all run out to this building. Why? Because they want to see a sign. 
Oh, I know it. I know, I know you don't like it, so I'm going to say it again. We live in a day where people that have the anointing, that have gifts of the Spirit on their life, they show up and churches are, are, are empty that day because somebody with miraculous signs. What has happened is there is a generation that is seeking after signs, but Jesus said, when you are following signs, the signs ain't following you. Watch Matthew 7 and, and, and 22, or excuse me, Mark 16, Mark 16, Mark 16. I promise I'm done, I promise I'm done. Mark 16. And these signs, verse 17, shall, will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues. Come on, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Just so y'all know, that's New Testament. Jesus said that his church would do that. For those of you that sat, sat up in dead ministry, ain't never seen a devil cast out of nobody. Ain't never heard tongues in church. Come on, somebody. I didn't know this church was Pentecostal. We're not. We're Bible. We're Bible. We're not Pentecostal. We are Bible-believing. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, and you shall receive power and be my witnesses. Matthew 7 and 23 says, and then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. I never knew you. The worst thing you could ever possibly hear in your life are the words uttered from the Lord. I never knew you. Evildoers. Evildoers. Depart from me, you evildoers. Can I tell you something? Right after they've been performing signs, he calls them evildoers. You can look powerful and still practice evil. Depart from me, you practicers, you participators, you people who, who indulge in evil. You look powerful. You're doing signs and wonders in my name. But you're evil. Yes. Depart from me. I never knew you. Luke, or Proverbs 15 and 3 says, The Lord is watching everywhere. Stay with me all over the house. I'm done. The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both evil and the good. Can I tell you something? You can fool me. You can fool your pastor. You can fool your life group leader. You can fool your ministry leader. You can fool your whole church family. But you can't fool him. His eyes are everywhere. That part of scripture should really scare some of you. In that adulterous bed, his eyes are there. In those moments of masturbation in front of pornography, his eyes are there. Oh, come on, somebody. We're going to be raw and real. Y'all should have realized nursery's open. You didn't want your kids to hear it? Welcome to adult church. Drunk, high, drugging, running after the next thing, his eyes are there. I don't know if God's eyes are there as much to keep account of evil as it is because of how much he cares. The Bible says that his eye is on every sparrow that falls. And how much more 
as he watch over us whom he loves. I don't think God's eyes are on our evil because he's taking note and marking it all down. I think he's watching in compassion saying, will you come home? I love you. I've called you for more. I've made you for more. You, I got a destiny and a purpose on your life that's far greater. It's Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly, far more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine, is the God that is watching over your life. And all he's waiting for you to do is say, I'm coming home. I'm done living for me. I want to live for you. So how do you make sure that you're not in relationship or not in religion and more in relationship with the Lord? How do you make sure that it's not just that the Lord knows you, but that or that you know the Lord, but the Lord knows you? A couple of things I want to ask you. What are you doing with your time? If you spend time with him, I'm talking about riding in the car, listen to worship music, worship the Lord, spend time with God apart from church. Ready? Apart from church. I know that you're here. I see you here. But my question is, is what do you do when you leave here? Spend time in his word. How do you, why do you say that? Because if you spend time in his word, then you will know his voice. You ready for this? Make church a priority again. Some of y'all look at church like it's an accessory. You go to Walmart and you go to church and there's no difference between the two. You go, to, you go to Walmart to get natural food, you come to church to feel good. But here's my question is, when does church become the place where you allow the transforming power of Jesus to change your life? Come in here a cigarette smoker and leave set free and delivered. Hallelujah! Come on, somebody. I'm not casting judgment. I used to smoke, dip. I used to smoke and dip at the same time. Notice these words, used to. That was B.C., B.C., before Christ. Here you go. How do you know that he knows you? You stop looking for proof of your relationship. Religion does that. I don't have to go to my wife and constantly affirm our relationship. Watch this. We do life together. We do life together. The good, the bad, the ugly, the triumph and the tragedies, we go through life together. One of the most freeing things that some of you can realize is your relationship with Jesus is all he's asking to do is do life with you. He's not asking for you to dress a certain way. Watch this. You got tattoos. He's not telling you to cover them up. He's not, come on. So much the church tells you you have to change. Jesus is saying, all I want you to do is be in love with me, and I'll tell you what needs to change. Stop looking for proof in your relationship. Stop looking for the signs and be the sign. Stop looking for miracles and be the miracle. Be the one that's so in love with him that people see it in your life as a sign. How do you make sure that he doesn't just know you, but you know him? Is fulfill his will. I'm confident that people that know the Lord are people that want to make sure that other people know him too. I'm confident that people that the Lord knows are people 
that cannot walk by lost people and not share the good news of Jesus. You can't see hurting people and be okay with it. Last thing, how do you make sure that that Jesus doesn't just know you, but that you know him is the most important one. The moment that we've really come to in this moment of today is that you have to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So all over this house, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, and these words punch you in your chest like they did me, depart from me, I never knew you. And you're here today and you say, man, I do know the Lord, but the Lord don't know me. I'm not living my life for him. I'm not living surrendered to him. I'm not living accountable to him. I've just gone through my life and I've just made my own agenda and I've just dragged God along like an accessory. I realized this morning, preacher, under your word, that I am at a place where I know the Lord, but he doesn't know me. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today. You'd say, preacher, I want the Lord to know me. Will you raise your hand all over this room if that's you? Thank you. Raise them high. Raise them high. Come on. Come on. We're making it right with Jesus today. Raise them high. Unashamed. Unashamed. Raise them high. Raise them high. There are hands all over this room. 15, 20 hands all over this room. Raise them high. You're saying, preacher, that's it. I know the Lord, but I want to make sure that he knows me. Today, I'm giving my all to Jesus. Today, I'm surrendering my life. I'm laying it down. You ready? With your hands still raised. If you got to use your other hand to push them out of the way, I want you to come to this altar and make it a sure decision ready one two three come on come as they come celebrate here they come here they come my god here they come lord i don't just want to know you i want you to know me 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 Lord, we don't want to just know you. We want you to know us. God, we don't want to go through life in a one-way relationship that knows you are good, but yet you don't know us. God, we don't want to be in a place in our life where we have sheltered you from penetrating our hearts and our minds, our will and our emotions. God, we want you to redeem. We want you to save. We want you to destroy every work of darkness in our life that you can be not just Lord, but the lover of our soul. God, I don't just want to know you God, I want you to know me. God, I don't just want to look for signs. I want to be a sign to a dying world. I want to be a sign of the love of God, the power of God, the grace of God. Lord, know me. Lord, know me. Lord, know me. Pastors, leaders, this altar is full of people. I want you to grab decision cards and come, and I want you to pray. And today, we declare hell bankrupt 
in heaven full. Today, we declare that we will make heaven crowded. Today, we declare that as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God. Today, today we make it right with the Lord. Today, today.